0: Okay, we've been doing a series uh, on joy to the world, and uh, leading up to Christmas, we thought it would be good just to kind of tell some of the Christmas story again. And uh, I wanted to start with reading to you uh, out of Luke chapter 2, this is our key verse for this series, Luke chapter 2 verse 10, and we're also going to read verse 11 as well. Uh, But the angel said to them, this is to shepherds in the field, do not be afraid, I bring you good news. Say good news. That will cause great joy, say great joy, joy. for all the people, say all people. people. Good news, great joy for all people. In fact, uh, if it doesn't bring great joy, it's not good news. This this is such a powerful passage. In fact, he goes on to say, uh, or the the angels say, Today in the town of David, a a saviour has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. The Messiah simply means the sent one. The Lord simply means master of all. A saviour has been born. Which means that we actually need salvation. We need a saviour. And God seeing that says a saviour has been born. Here's the good news. A saviour has been born for you. Amen. A saviour has been born. Well, last week we we told some of the Christmas story out of Luke's perspective. Uh, Luke brings the Christmas story first through Zechariah and Elizabeth. And Zechariah Zechariah and Elizabeth, they were old in age. In fact, the word that's used uh, to describe them of old age is a word that can also be interpreted as grey-haired. And they fell pregnant, uh, which is a miracle of all things. And at, at the, the, uh, the word of God, where the, the angel of the Lord comes and delivers to Zechariah while he's ministering to the Lord in the inner place, uh, they receive this word that they're going to be with child, but he's going to be a special child. His name is to be John. And sure enough, Elizabeth falls pregnant. They see the hand of God right through uh, this story of John uh, coming right through the whole nine months to birth. In fact, in the 6th to 7th month time frame, uh, Elizabeth meets with Mary, and or actually Mary visits their home. And as Mary comes in the door, uh, the child within Elizabeth leaps and she says, My child leapt for joy. Which is just incredible because here is Jesus who is in maybe only the first or second month, of, uh, of him being grown within his mother, Mary. And John, who is only six to seven months, leaps within her womb. It's like Elizabeth is like, again, the joy of the Lord. God is in the midst of all that's going on. They come to full term. John is born before they name the child uh, on the eighth day, which is the day that they would normally name their children and also do circumcision at that time. Uh, Zechariah writes on a tablet, his name shall be John. And the moment that he writes it, his mouth is opened because his mouth was shut after talking to the angel. All this time over nine, maybe 10 months, uh, here he is. Now he's able to speak. And everyone's like, who then is this child going to be? They just see the hand of the Lord all over this story. That's the way the Christmas story begins. Now, meanwhile... Mary has an angelic visitation also. And Luke begins to uh, unpack this story. And the the angel who is in the presence of the Lord, Gabriel, comes to meet her and says, you are going to be with child. You are going to have a son. In fact, he's going to be the son of the Most High. He's going to have the throne of David. And he's going to reign uh, on earth On his throne. And not only that, his kingdom will have no end. Now, if you receive that word, that you're going to have a child who's going to be uh, used by God in such a way, not just used by God, but he is the Son of the Most High. When they say the Most High, what they're saying is the one who is in the highest heavens, the one who is the highest above any other so named God, he will be born. As a son to him. Now, if you were Mary and you received that word, firstly, Elizabeth was in a different scenario. She had a husband, or has a husband at this point. And so to say that she'll be with child, you would say, well, all of the natural means can happen, even though she's it's impossible uh, at her age to actually fall pregnant. She recognizes that God is in this and she falls pregnant. At the word of God. But here, Mary is told, you are to be with child. But she's not married. She's engaged to be married. And so she asks, how will this be? It's a good question. And uh, I love the answer. We pick it up in chapter uh, 1, verse 35. The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you. And the power of the, here's the name again, the Most High, will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Now notice this. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. She hadn't met Elizabeth yet. Um, She didn't know that Elizabeth was pregnant. But here she has a word of knowledge ahead of time. The angel reveals what was unknown to her. And says, even your relative Elizabeth is going to have a child in her old age. What was impossible is being made possible. And she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. Verse 37. For no word from God will ever fail. You could highlight that passage right there. No word from God will ever fail. What I love about this is that the angel refers Mary From a word that seems impossible, there was no, to their known world, there was no virgin birth prior to Mary. So what was being told to her was a complete impossibility given to what man had observed in the past. And here she said, or the angel rather, he says, Gabriel is a guy. He says, uh, consider the story of Elizabeth. What was said to be impossible is possible. I want to propose to you that the story of Christmas is meant to be your platform for the impossible. You see, Elizabeth was a platform story to Mary for the impossible. The very fact that she turns around and says, I'm your servant, do as you say means to say that she's taken the story of a miracle, of a miracle in place that Elizabeth, her relative, has conceived, that she's about to have a child, and uses that as the platform to say, okay, God, if you're doing that there, then what is even more impossible, I believe you, you can do here. I want to propose to you that the Christmas story is actually a platform for you, not just to receive a miracle, but actually is the whole reason why, You can receive a miracle because of Jesus. He is the saviour. Do you know his name actually means the Lord saves? When Mary heard your child will be named the Lord saves, she recognised there's something amazing about what God is doing right now. He's raising up a saviour. Each one of us in some way need the Lord who saves. And he sends in a person, not as something that's written down on a scroll. He doesn't send a a herald on behalf of God. He sends his son to be the saviour in whatever circumstance you're facing. And so I love this. He uses this, Gabriel says, what has just happened is just a platform for what is about to happen. The Christmas story begins to develop to something even greater. And at this point, Mary goes to visit her uh, relative Elizabeth. And as she visits Elizabeth, as we know from last week, her child leaps within her. But then Elizabeth is filled with the Holy Spirit. And I want you to hear this from Mary's point of view now. Because all of a sudden, Elizabeth begins to outline all the things that God says is true of the child that's within her. Why would the, the mother of my master come and visit me? And here she is, she begins to outline all of this. Uh, and as she outlines it, Mary, she's just going, God, you are in the midst of doing a miracle. You are in the midst of making all these things happen. Each one of us needed Elizabeth in our life. Somebody who has already had a word for them and it's already conceived. And you know that God's stirring something in you, but you need to come alongside uh, you know, that person because they, they will encourage you. Because they they know that God's in the midst. I've seen God do the impossible, they'll tell you. And let me tell you more about what God's going to do in you. Each of us need an Elizabeth in our life. I've got an Elizabeth. I'm married to one. But each one of us need an Elizabeth. I've got other Elizabeths in my life. Other people who sow into me who say, Steve, I've seen God do this. And I so believe he's going to do this in your life. Each one of us need that. So Mary, as she comes back, and after meeting with Elizabeth, and she's encouraged in the Lord, eventually she comes to the point where she herself gives birth to her child, whom she names Jesus. And at this point, uh, everything already points to the joy of the Lord. You see, when Elizabeth gave birth to John, everyone around in the hill country of Judea, they were saying, God, you are in this. Uh, Everything around the conception, the birth, the way that Zechariah's uh, voice came back, everything. God, you're in this. And joy filled their conversation in awe of what God was doing. And now, even more so, uh, Mary is at a place where she gives birth to this child. And in all of the things, all of her surroundings, it would show that perhaps God is not in it. She has to give birth to a son, not in her own uh, hometown, but in Bethlehem, which is quite a distance from where her hometown is, where all her family support is. She had to give birth outside of marriage, which you would want to be within marriage to give birth. She had to give birth to a child in a manger, where it wasn't even in, in our terms, a hospital or a place where we would find as a sanitary place, wasn't even in her own home. But here she gave birth to this son, totally on the promise of what God was doing. Do you know, uh, from that time as she was in the manger, God sent uh, just his messengers in to show this is even bigger than what you think, Mary. In came some wise men from the east, and they tell their story. They say, we saw this star. That started all the way back there. I wonder if it was even nine months before. We saw this star and we recognised that this has to be a star of the Most High. This has to be a star that uh, has, has to come into terms of the Most High as having a son, a king. That's how they interpreted it. And it's not too far out of the box. We might think that, that seems like such a stretch. I see a star at night, it's a new one, I've not seen it before. Oh, there must be a king being born to the Son, like to to God. We might think that's a bit of a stretch. But actually, if you were to read Genesis 1, uh, when God created the stars, the moon and the sun, he says he did it for all in their season, but also to mark sacred times. And I have a feeling that they saw this star and they said, something sacred is happening. And as they come in, they give gifts to a king, the Son of the Most High. Because they recognized this has to be a star that has been set in place, that moved over the the very place of Jesus' birthplace. They followed that star right to the manger. And so you can imagine for Mary, joy is just, in fact it says in the scripture that she put that thought aside and pondered on it. She held it close to her heart. Great joy in the midst. Again, uh, the passage that we read at the very start um, this morning, Luke chapter 2, where the angels meet shepherds in the field. As, he meets, uh, as these angels meet the shepherds, uh, they tell them a, um, a son is being born to the Most High God. In fact, he is in the line of David. He's the Messiah, the King. And so they come and they find Mary at the directions, not of um, Siri but, uh, or of Google, but of the directions of the angel. In fact, all of the angels that were there singing and telling about this great joy that had come to all people. And so they find it just as it were, but consider Mary again. Here she is with her child. She's seen the wise men. Now she sees the shepherds. And It's like, God, you're in the midst of all of this great joy. Great, great joy. Now, I want to propose to you that the Christmas story, we can listen to the Christmas story and think, wow, there's great joy. There's a the hand of God over all of this story. But I want to propose to you that it's just the beginning of the Christmas story because he has in mind to actually bring you great joy. And how I know that is because Jesus' uh, prophetic word over him, when it, even before he was born, had to do with how he would be Of great joy to all people. The good news would come to you, and for those who would receive it, that they would receive it with great joy. And I want you to get a picture of the great joy that developed as soon as Jesus began to minister. We find in Luke chapter 4, Luke chapter 4, verse 17. Uh, Jesus, he, firstly, Jesus had really early on in ministry, he had been baptized in water by John the Baptist. He'd been anointed by the Holy Spirit. And then by the Spirit, he'd gone into the wilderness and he came out the other end in power. When he came into different uh, townships, people flocked to him because they heard that when he spoke, he spoke with such authority. And then he healed the sick and he cast out demons. And here he was, Uh, in this place where people are like, have you heard what happened the other day when Jesus was in town? Joy was beginning to rise at the effect of Jesus doing ministry. So Jesus goes home to his hometown in Nazareth. And it's in his hometown that less likely people would want to place their faith in him. He stands in the synagogue on the Sabbath day in verse 17. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written. In fact, we find this very passage in chapter 61 of Isaiah. And so he reads this small passage. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. He began by saying to them, today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Here, Jesus is bringing into fulfillment the very things that were written about him, the very things that were reserved for the Messiah, that great joy would come to you and I based off who he was. Notice he says, the spirit of the Lord is on me. Because he's anointed me. And then he goes on to say, to proclaim good news to the poor. The good news is this that uh, you are set free from condemnation of sin. You are set free. When he says poor here, he's talking about poor in spirit. He's talking about those who recognize I'm in need, I'm in deficit, I'm in an area of debt before the Lord. But uh, he says it's good news. You don't have to remain in deficit any longer. You don't have to remain uh, in a place where um, you owe something to God. Uh, He he has sent... Sorry, is that good news? Right, it's good news. Notice he goes on to say, there's more. Say, there's more. more. (laughs) He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners. And again, it's a rehash of the same thing, the good news. That there's freedom for those who have found themselves caught and bound by sin. Do you know, as a young man, there were certain things that I thought I could get, uh, if I just worked hard enough at being a good person, I could get set free from that. And I found myself in a place where I could not get away from what was already in my heart. I needed a saviour. Somebody who would cut the chains Somebody who would uh, loose me from being pulled on those chains one more time to say, See, you're not free at all, Steve. But I tell you what, there's total freedom found in Jesus. You don't have to walk in the destructiveness of sin any longer. And yet there's more. Say, so There's more. It's not the kitchen knives. <laughs> he goes on to say, And recovery of sight for the blind. In other words, not only does he deal with sin, but he also deals with the effects of sin. Everything of uh, disease, of sickness, of brokenness, he comes to heal. And he's not just saying the blind in a sense of those who are spiritually blind, though that's true. But he comes to say those who are physically blind, he will heal. So... He forgives people of their sins. He heals the sick. And, and lastly, there's more. There's way more. He goes to set the oppressed free. In other words, to deliver those who are under the power of the demonic. To deliver those who are under oppression. Those things that have ruled them and they found a stronghold over their life. He's come to cut them free from sin, from the effects of sin. Jesus says, this happens today. The year of Jubilee, which he he said, starts now. It's in an era of time and does not finish until he he returns the second time, which is increasingly coming closer. For those of my friends who say, uh, Steve, it's got to be in the next two years or something like that. I say, well, we're closer to it than we were yesterday. (laughs) Right? He is coming back. That's the truth. When he comes back, only the father knows. But I tell you what, the signs are there. It is close. But when he comes back, this year of jubilee comes to its close. It finishes. And the year of jubilee is simply this. All debts are cancelled. Property, in in the terms of those those of of Israel, their their properties were returned to them. If they had to mortgage their properties or to give their properties away because they had debts to pay, Uh, All of that was given back to their family line. And uh, all of the judicial um, things against them was now uh, given a pardon. So this was the year of Jubilee. And he says, today, do you know, it's still today. It's still today. Some people say, well, that was just for Jesus. No, it's not. He says, the same spirit is in you. The same spirit that he has in mind where he has anointed his church to walk in the same thing, that in fact it's for you, that, that you also are to walk in the same joy where people are able to say, I'm so glad that he's forgiven my sins. I'm so glad that he came and touched my life right now uh, and he healed me. I'm so glad that, that uh, he set me free from strongholds that I thought would never be undone. We are called into this the same thing today. And so Jesus, it's good news because there is such joy in the whole story of Jesus that it brings into today. Do you know, when you go in the power of Jesus' name and through the love and compassion of Christ, you see somebody in need and you're generous towards them, that you actually do it in a way that celebrates Christmas. It celebrates the joy of who God is. When you actually, uh, you see, traditionally, Christmas time, people would give gifts out of this this same uh, spirit of grace that basically said, God is a giver of great gifts, and I want to be generous towards you. I want to be generous towards those who can't really afford much at all. And so uh, Christmas becomes a time where we actually celebrate, God, you're in the midst. We've got some Christmas hampers up the back, which uh, both Lorna and, and also... Liz, thank you, uh, put together just this week through your generosity. And they're going to places where people are in great need. And I know that it's received with such a a heart of joy where they celebrate. Wow. Uh, You know, they may not know how to put uh, names to it yet, other than I'm so grateful that somebody was so generous. And it causes people to be thankful to God just through your generosity. When you go into a room and you see somebody who is in need of healing and compassion stirs up within you, it's totally legal for you to go and pray for that person. Because in Jesus' name today, we're called to great joy and to walk in that with people and to pray with them. And when they get healed, to go, God, you're so good. When you're given a word of knowledge for somebody out of love for them and you go and deliver it to them, not because you're 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 trying to do something better for yourself, but because you've actually fallen in love with uh, God's heart for people. And you go and you you share a word of knowledge and you find out it's exactly what God had in mind to actually share with that person. And they they rejoice. If you knew my situation right now, uh, you would know that that word lines right up, but you didn't know my story. And here you are, you've given me a word of knowledge or a prophetic word and it so encourages me. Great joy. I want to propose to you that that we're actually intended to walk in the joy of the Lord. Uh, And if you don't believe me, I'm just going to take you to one last passage. John chapter 15. John chapter 15. And we're going to read from verse 9 through to verse 11. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you'll remain in my love just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I've told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. I love this passage because Jesus simply calls us into relationship with him and through him to the Father God. And in this, uh, he just simply says, stay on the path of love. Every time Jesus would uh, do ministry, oftentimes you'd read... And he had compassion on those who were there. Prayed for the sick. Uh, He delivered them from oppression. And it was out of the love of the heavenly father that he remained in the very footsteps of heavenly father. Jesus is saying the same thing for you and I. He's saying, as you remain in me with the same love for others, And as you walk into a room and you see the needs of others and you meet that in faith, that you actually are in a place of not just abiding in me, but he says, I've told you this so that my joy, so Jesus' joy, may be in you. Who would like the joy of the Lord in them? Who needs the joy of the Lord in them, right? We do, don't we? We need the joy of the Lord. And he says, if you want that. Just simply walk in love for others. And then out of that, he goes on, so that your joy may be complete. There are certain things that bring me joy, uh, like an apple pie with cream on the side. uh, Or a kitten with cream on the side. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, Or... You know, I think of we're going into to doing carols next week and we're allowed to sing. That brings me joy. I, I just I'm so excited for that. And we can have more than the one per four square meter four square meter rule. We can have up to one per two square meters. So we'll fit all of our church in there, Lord willing. That gives me joy. When I see an answer to prayer or God come in the midst as, as you've stepped in and you've loved somebody and then you've seen God in the midst of it, that brings me joy. But I tell you what, he is inviting every single one of us. We sing the, the song Joy to the World. But he's inviting every one of us to be a part of that story where there is joy, literally, to the world. Where they participate in, where they become a recipient of the joy of the Lord. Where you have the, the faith to actually stand with them and pray for healing and then they get healed. And such joy. Uh, there was uh, one of the guys that we prayed for just recently. He was telling me about how he had um, in his stomach, he had a, a pocket in his stomach that was pushing up all of his organs and causing a lot of pain. And he said he knows that he has a problem because uh, when he would eat spicy foods it would get caught in that pocket And would irritate him to the point where he couldn't sleep properly and you'd get uh, reflux and all sorts of things. And so um, I asked if I could pray with him and uh, we just prayed. It's a very simple prayer, but it was all out of, again, Jesus' invitation to be a part of his joy. Do you know every time you, you pray for somebody, you're actually standing in the invitation to participate in his joy. Every time you walk with somebody through a tough time or... Uh, you help shoulder the burden of something that they're, they're facing right now. You actually walk in his joy. Amen. And so as we prayed for him, I didn't see him for a few weeks. And uh, just this last week, I saw him. And he said, I said, to him, how are you going with, um, with your stomach? I know that he'd seen a specialist and he'd had a, a scan. And the specialist said, and I knew also that he was going in for surgery. Now, we've, we've seen... Uh, this year, already four or five different answers to prayer where somebody was due to go into surgery and they got healed and they had to cancel their surgery. Isn't that a good problem to have? And Jen Davies, if you're at home at the moment, we just pray over you that you wouldn't have to go into surgery, that your ACL would be mended in the name of Jesus. Anyway, this guy, uh, he, as he um, went into the sur- or not the surgeon, the specialist, the specialist does the scan, He says, I don't know what to tell you, but there's no pocket there. Like, it's a normal stomach. He said, it must be that you've got back pain referring or something like that. He's looking for some excuse, some reason for... I'm thinking, no, 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 you you actually got a healing. And the joy of the Lord, right? Now, you can't walk out of there going, man, that sucks. You go out there going, yes, right? And your prayer life changes, right? And it's just as legal to celebrate in the joy of somebody else as it is to celebrate in your own breakthrough. The joy of the Lord really is our strength. And, and it really does bring us back to, we, we actually have the most exciting story to be a part of, the Christmas story. Joy to the world. We, we actually, you know, joy to us as a church because we get to walk in this joy. Okay, here's, here's the last thing I want to close with. If you've lost your joy, it's normally an indicator that you've walked back into doing things in your own strength. Sorry, Siri, I'm not trying to tell you something right now. It's okay. (laughs) (laughs) For those at home, my friend on the phone, because if I say her name again, she'll talk back to me. Just uh, answered. Okay, so... Where was I? If you've lost your joy, it's because you've wandered away from relationship in Jesus, from experiencing uh, the joy of walking in love for others, from expecting things in prayer again. If you've walked away from that relationship, you'll find yourself doing your own stuff in your own strength if you found yourself in a place where you're not game to serve anyone anymore because you got hurt last time, you actually lose out a lot more than what you think because the, the joy that God has for you actually requires you to take a step of faith and to step in and begin loving again, even though you got rejected last time. And so I just want to encourage you, if you're in a space where you're like, yeah, 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 I know, I know we're meant to have joy, but right now I'm just not feeling it. I want to pray for you because I really believe that God wants to touch you in a special way where He's going to give you the, the faith and the courage to step back into loving people, to step back in trusting that you are a part of His story. And that, you know, even if you've prayed for a hundred people and they haven't gotten healed, that He's still calling you in to step in with faith and to just trust Him. Is that okay? So, how about you stand? And for those at home too, you might want to make this a personal part of of receiving from what we talked about, that the Christmas story is not just something that we talk about, but it's, it's something that we live in, that we actually get to live in the joy of the Lord. And so let's just pray. Thank you, Lord. Father God, we just thank you so much that you call us into family, that you call us in to be sons and daughters, where uh, you completely embrace us, We call us into the family business, the family business of loving others, and in that our joy is made complete. Father God, we thank you that there is nothing that outwits you. There's nothing that's bigger than you. There's no mountain that you cannot face. And we just declare that your goodness, your favor is over us as a people. Father God, simply because of Jesus, not because of anything that we've done, but because of who you are. And so, Father God, for those who are here or watching online or listening on podcasts later on, who feel like they've lost their joy, Father God, I pray that right now that they would have a touch from you, where they recognize you're calling them in. You're calling them in back into relationship again. You're calling them in to trust you in the midst of uh, where it seems like they're in trial or Uh, up against opposition. You're calling them to persevere and to trust you. Father God, I pray that they would have Elizabeths around them that actually help promote courage and promote joy. And Father God, we ask that you would come and move powerfully in their life, Lord God, to see uh, your hand at work. Lord, those promises, those prophetic words that have been placed over different people here, where they're waiting on you to see it, through. Father God, where they have a sense of where you're you're calling them to, but they've hit such opposition, they don't know whether to trust again. Father God, I pray that you would come and minister to their heart, where you heal them, where you bring comfort to them, bring people around them. And Father God, where they find that as they're ministered to in the love of the Lord, that they would step out again in your love, in the name of Jesus. So Father God, we just give you praise. We thank you, Lord God, that that you are, uh, you are the Lord over every single circumstance that we face and that you call us, Lord God, to partner with you in your love for others and your joy is made complete in us. Come and fill us up, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.